Chapter Two of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Two. Vive la France. And after that first day, there were many hours that the Capitaine de Count de Lasselles spent with little Pierre and the good Nanette, as she sat knitting always with the sun on the water reddening her round cheeks, while I had much pleasure with many friends who came to me upon the ship. A very fine young man, who was named William Raines, from the state of St. Louis, instructed me in several beautiful dances. But I do not think he was held in the esteem which he deserved by another of his American brothers by the name of Peter Scudder, whose home was in the town of Philadelphia, Dancing with Scudder must be like going to your grandmother's funeral over the old state road in a rockaway, was the comment that Mr. William Raines made upon his friend, Mr. Peter Scudder, and what Mr. Scudder said of him was of the same unkindness. Raines dancing is extremely like St. Louis, delightfully rapid but crude, was his comment. I should have been regretful of the unkindness between those two very nice Americans, but for a beautiful good to France that was brought about by the desire of each to please me more than the other. The many ladies upon the ship had been of exceeding kindness to me, because of the loveliness of small Pierre's dark face and the pity of his crooked back. Old Nanette was of a very great popularity with all those ladies, and she spent many hours in recounting the glories of the old chateau de gray and b and the family which had inhabited it since the fourteenth century so it came about that many friends were made for france among them now that mr william raines had a very nice idea to invite in my honor all of the ladies who were friends to me and many distinguished gentlemen of politics and of universities and other large affairs who were returning from business in Europe to more business in America, to be present while a young boy of France, who was among those in the steerage going to the freedom of America with his mother, who had been widowed at Ypres, sang in a very lovely voice many French folk songs and songs of war to all present. And at that singing many tears flowed, and so much money was put into the hands of the boy, that a future for the very sad little French family was assured in America. And I also wept. I was taken into the embrace of all those kind American women, and assured of so much care and affection in that land of my father, that I felt of a great richness, in spite of the small sum of money in the heel of Nanette's rough stocking. And as I received all of these beautiful attentions, I perceived the eyes of my Capitaine, the Count de Lascelles, fixed upon me with a deep gratitude and pride it was all of a great pleasure to me except that i did not like very well to be so distinguished by a young man which made the french grand dame in me to shrink mais vive la france i murmured to myself and was happy again but alas at the joy of all this entertainment there was one sadness it was of my dear friend mr peter scudder there was no pleasure but great seriousness in his face during the whole afternoon. Don't mind him, poor Pete's chewing a grouch, was what his good friend Mr. William Raines answered to my lament over his sadness. And that sadness lasted for three days, up until the day before we came to a sight of the Lady of Liberty of America. 
Then his face found a great radiance, and I perceived that he was full of much business. I found him with a notebook in deep consultation with my Capitan, the Count de Lascelles, and then in earnest consultation with many of the other gentlemen. I had much wonder, but at the dinner that night, which was the last before we made the landing to America, I discovered all of his good actions. While we were at the last of the coffee, Mr. Peter Scudder arose and made a bow to the Capitan of the ship, beside whom I sat, which salutation did not in any way include me, and then turned to the direction of my Capitan, the Count de Lascelles. Sir, he said, in that very nice voice which it is said is of Philadelphia, I have the honor to ask if you will take charge of a fund of five thousand dollars, which has been given by the passengers of this boat, to be sent immediately to a field hospital of France, preferably the nearest in need to the battlefield of the Marne. And with no more of a speech than that, he seated himself, and did not so much as make a glance in my direction when he mentioned the battlefield on which my father had died. I think that Mr. Peter Scudder is a very great gentleman, and I sat very still and white, with my head held high, and tears rising from the depths of France in my heart. My honored friends, answered my Capitan, the Count de Lascelles, as he rose from his place at the foot of the table, and stood tall and slim in the manner of a great soldier. It is impossible that I say to you my gratitude for this expression of your friendship for my country. So many dollars will bring life and an end of suffering to many hundreds of my brave boys. But the good will and sympathy it represents from America to France will do still more. The fund shall go to the place you request, and now I beg to offer to you a toast that will be of an understanding to you. And at that moment he raised his glass of champagne and said, to the destiny of those born of American and French blood commingled. All those present arose to their feet and drank that toast with loving looking at me, and I did not know what I should do until that good old gray boat captain patted me upon the shoulder and sat across his empty glass. God bless you and keep you, child. I thank everybody. I answered, as I went into the embrace of my very large lady friend from the state of Cincinnati, and then into the embrace of the other ladies. I've been knitting all day for two months, but I'm going to begin to sit up at night, sobbed the lady from a queer Keokuk name, as I took her into my embrace on account of her extreme smallness. It was at a very late hour, just before retiring, that I ascended to the deck with my capitan to view the effect of a very young moon on the waves of the ocean. Is it that you think now your soldier of France has done your command well, mon capitaine? I asked of him. Most extremely well, and entirely in the mode of a woman. Those two young men have made of themselves very noble competitors for your favor. But remember that it is of a truth that only a daredevil would bring together such high explosives. I salute you. He made answer to me with a laugh which ended in a sigh child little child he continued as he bent over my hand to kiss it as he did each night before he conducted me to the head of the stairs leading down into my cabin above all take unto yourself all that is possible of joy in the present for we do not know what the supply will be for the future 
perhaps it will be like the harvests of france burned up in a world conflagration ah but mon capitaine will you not dance with me once to-night for a joy it will be our last on the ship before we land to-morrow you have never danced with me and to-morrow you are lost from me into the wilds of that english canada and began to hum the music of that remarkable chin chin fox dance that i had been dancing below with mr william raines and which the band had just begun to play again of course i knew that i must be very lovely in the young moonlight in one of the frocks that nanette had purchased from her very talented cousin the couturier on rue leopold and i could see no reason why i should not make a happiness for the great gentleman of france as well as the young boy from philadelphia and also the one from st louis you are a dare-devil mademoiselle to propose the dance to powder-stained armand lascelles but the joy of you is of a greatness and i feel from it a healing in the night of my soul and he reached out in the moonlight and took me into his arms and danced me along the deck with a grace that it would not be possible for either the one from philadelphia or the one from st louis to imitate that nice but very ponderous lady from the state of cincinnati who regarded us from her steamer chair enjoyed it as much as i did and she clapped her large hands as monsieur le capitaine swung me around into the quietness beyond one of the tall chimneys for smoke from the engine this is good-bye mon enfant for i leave the ship at dawn with a tug so that i do avoid those reporters from the newspapers and the contract conspirators i have advised nanette that you go to the ritz carlton to await your uncle if he be not upon the dock i go to the grain fields of canada and then to the west of america i would that it could be au revoir upon a day that shall come beautiful lady perhaps it will be permitted to me to no vive la france allez vite chérie go while i i vive la france and tears came across my eyes as i did his bidding and left him to france in my heart was a desire to cling to him in a great fear at being alone to care for the good nanette and the small pierre but i knew he must travel fast and far on his quest and that for france i must let him go without a backward look would i find in the great land of america such another gallant gentleman to care for the fate of the small pierre and nanette and me what did i know of this cruel uncle nothing but his hardness of heart i dreaded the sight of him that i should find upon the arrival of the ship at the dock which would be an answer to the letter i had sent to him to inform him of my coming and i spent my long night in hate of him with the arrival of the morning came more minds that exploded for me under the waves of my life that had danced with so little concern through the days upon the ship a rain was falling and my friend of france was gone from me at the beginning of the day in a boat that is called tug upon nanette had fallen a rheumatism and the small pierre was in the midst of shivering chills when we at last were permitted by the very unpleasant officer of america to go from the ship alas it was all of the gold that he took from me for an entry into this savage land where one piece of money is as five of that of france there remains but a few sous and a gold piece sobbed nanette as she came from her interview with the immigration officer while i stood beside pierre 
deposited by a deck steward on a pile of our steamer blankets. Did it take all, all of the money to land Nanette? Not all? I cried as I stretched out my hand to her. I did not know, as I now do, that the money would have been returned to Nanette had she waited with patience and not made a hurry of returning to her nurslings. All, oh, mademoiselle, were the words with which she answered me, and for some very long moments I stood dazed and struggled in the waves of that adventure I had thought to be life. I beg your pardon, Marquise, but here is a letter the dock steward failed to find you to deliver came in the pleasant voice of that Mr. William Raines, as he raised a very fine hat that made him look much better to look upon than the cap of the steamer, and handed me a large letter. I took it, and came with my head out from under the wave which had dashed over me. Is there anything I can do to help you through the customs? Then came the nice voice of that Mr. Peter Scudder of Philadelphia from the other side of me. No, with much gratitude to you both, I must wait the arrival of my uncle. I made answer to them, with my head held very high. Well, we'll see you at the Ritz for tea at five, as per promise, said Mr. William Raines as he walked away and left Mr. Peter Scudder, who was assisting the lady from Cincinnati to transport her very lovely dog to a handsome car which awaited her. She also had I promised to visit from that great Ritz-Carlton hotel, and she smiled in a sweet friendliness to me as I stood with the letter in my hand and watched all of the friends I had found upon that ship depart and leave me with not a place to go. I stood for many minutes motionless, and then my eyes perceived the letter in my hand. Surely it must be opened and read. It was from the wicked uncle I knew, but it might be that it was not of the cruelty that I had expected. It would excuse him, no doubt, from arrival in person for the expected greeting to his relatives, Pierre and myself. Go to it, Bob. I advised myself in the language that I heard Mr. St. Louis use when he was forced to ask a nice lady, who danced with disagreeable heaviness, to trot the fox with him because of a friendship with his mother. And this is the letter that my eyes read with astonishment while both the good Nanette and the small shivering Pierre sat with their eyes fixed upon my countenance. My dear nephew Robert, your arrival in America at this time suits me exactly. I need you immediately in my business. If you had been the girl instead of the little one, I would have had to dispose of you in some way, even murder. I have no use for women. Leave the little crippled girl and her nurse, who I feel sure is an old fool, with my good friend Dr. Mason Burns of 222nd South, 32nd Street. He has cured more children of hip-joint disease than any man in the world, and he will straighten her out for us, and we can give her away to somebody. I've written him instructions. Leave her immediately and come down here to me on the first train. The deal is held up without you. Enclosed is a check for a thousand dollars. If you are like Henry, you'll need it. But keep away from Broadway and the women. Come on, I say, by the next train. Your uncle, Robert Carruthers, Hayesville, Harpeth. The uncle of America has come to a confusion of the sex between Pierre and me from a careless memory and the writing of my hand, which is of a great boldness, but not to be easily read. I explained as I read the letter aloud to Pierre and Nanette. It took me just one hour by the clock, sitting there on the pile of steamer wraps with the small Pierre in the hollow of my arm, to explain and translate the sense of that letter to old Nanette, 
and I feel sure she would have been sitting upon that spot yet immovable, if I had not put all of my time and force upon the picturing of her, of a Pierre, who could come down with her later to me, in a condition to run through the gardens of Twin Oaks, which was the home of his American ancestors. With that vision constantly before her, she let the porter and me insert her into a taxicab and extract her at the door of the small private hospital of good Dr. Burns, who was to perform the miracle for the back and hip of small and radiant Pierre. But what is it that I do to permit the jeune fille of my beloved mistress to depart into this city of wicked savages not attended by me? I cannot, do not demand it were the words with which I left her arguing with that very sympathetic and sensible doctor of America. He had not noticed a confusion of sex was between Pierre and me, and he had sent out the check of my wicked uncle and procured the American money for me. Also, he had given me a few directions that he appeared to think of a great sufficiency, and had ordered a taxi to be in readiness for me. Nonsense, nurse, he said to Nanette brusquely but not with unkindness, when I had translated to him Nanette's weeping protests. A great strapping girl like that can get down to the Harpeth Valley all right by herself. Nobody's going to eat her up, and from the size of the biceps I detect under that chiffon, I think she could give a good account of herself if anybody tried. How like you are to what Henry was at your age, child, God bless you. I'd go to the station with you, but I've a patient all prepared for an operation. Shall I send a nurse with you? No, please, good doctor, and good-bye, I said, with a great haste, as I hurriedly embraced both Nanette and small Pierre, and departed down the broad steps into the taxi with the open door. Pennsylvania Station. Your train may not leave for hours, but you can get your baggage together. Good-bye, said that good doctor, as he shut the door and returned to his pursuit of making human beings either whole or dead. And now, Roberta Carruthers, no longer Marquise of Gray and B, you are in your America, and let's see you do some hustling, as remarked that Mr. St. Louis to Mr. Peter Scudder at cards. And while that very swift taxi conveyed me to the large station that is as beautiful as a cathedral, I did some what I name tall thinking. What would be the result of my womanly arrival in that state of Harpeth of my wicked uncle? Would he be forced to murder me, as his letter had said? And if in his anger, over the mistake he had made from my letter, written in that very bold and difficult handwriting, he should turn from me, and the good Nanette and Pierre as well, what would I then do? All must be enacted, that a cure for Pierre be obtained. With great energy I had been thinking, but I did not know what it was that I should do to prevent his anger when I arrived to him as a woman until suddenly the good Dr. Burns' kindness, in marking the resemblance of me to my father in his extreme youth, made an entry into my brain, and was received with the greatest welcome by the daredevil who there resides. Very well, Robert Carruthers, who is no longer the beautiful Marquise of Gray and B. You will be that husky nephew to your wicked uncle in the state of Harpeth, whom he needs in his business. What is it that you lack of a man's estate save the clothes, which you have money in your pockets to obtain, after you have purchased the ticket upon the railway train? 
a decision had been made and action upon it had begun in less than a half hour after the purchase of the ticket for the state of harpeth had been accomplished as my father had taught me observation in hunting i had remarked a large shop for the clothing of men upon the sixth avenue near to the station i made my way into it and by a very nice fiction of an invalid brother whom i was taking to the south of america i was able to buy for a few dollars less than was in my pocket two most interesting bags of apparel for a handsome young man of fashion the man who assisted me to buy was very large with a head only ornamented with a drapery of gray hair around the edges and he spoke much of what his son deemed suitable to make appearance in the prevailing mode he's at tea at the ritz carlton with a lady friend this afternoon and i wish you could have saw him when he left the store to meet her he said as he laid the last of the silk scarfs and hose into one of the large flat bags i had purchased and which he had packed as i selected he had on the match to these gray tweeds and was fitted out in lavender from skin out now what are you going to do about shoes miss that i do not know kind sir i made answer with a great perplexity i think that the feet of my relative are about the size of those i possess most women would wear shoes the size of their brothers if they didn't prefer to waddle and limp along with their feet scrooged go over to the shoe department and the clerk will fit you out with what you need in about two sizes larger than you wear if they are not right you can tell just about what will be and exchange them by special messenger i'll pack all this ship shape before you come back with which direction i left the kind man and made my way to another of equal kindness i have had upon my feet the shoes of my brother when in accidents while at hunting and fishing and i think i can ascertain a good fitting i made a falsification to the very polite young man who stood with attention and sympathy to wait upon me we'll make a selection and then try one pair on he advised me and as i gave to him a fine description of the clothing i had purchased he brought forth in accord many wonderful boots and shoes for the riding and a walking and also for the dance i had never observed that the shoes of men were of such an ugliness but when one was upon my foot in place of the shoe of much beauty which i discarded both i and the young man had a fine laugh nay they are of a greater comfort and they feel about as did those of my brother who is of a small frame well if they are not right send them back and i'll change em he answered with great interest after the exchange of much money between us the young man went with me to the other kind old man of the white hair and together they made places in the two bags for the shoes just seven hundred dollars all told and the like of that outfit couldn't be bought any other place of style in new york for less than a thousand miss remarked to me the elderly clerk as he closed and made fast with keys the two bags shall i send em special i'll thank you that you call a taxi for me monsieur i answered and as he had mentioned that ritz carlton hotel in conversation earlier that very wicked daredevil that resides within me awoke at attention with the large ears of great mischief i felt in my pocket that there was still much gold and the man from whom i had purchased the ticket to the state of harpeth had assured me that the train did not depart until the hour of six in the evening to the hotel of the ritz carlton i commanded the man of the taxi as he made fast the door 
it then transpired that one hour from the time that the young Mademoiselle Grey, who had registered at that large hotel with all of her luggage from the steamer, while by lies her father was represented as still engaged with the customs, entered her room. There emerged young Mr. Robert Carruthers, who, after paying his bill in his room, had a hall boy send his bags on ahead of him to the Pennsylvania station, while he sauntered into the tea-room. I have never again met with the wonderful dresses I left in that hotel-room. I hope the poor and beautiful domestic, who assisted me in cutting my hair into a football shortness after the mode of a very beautiful woman-dancer, which she said girls of much foolishness in America have affected, was rewarded with them. And as I stood in the center of the great room of conversation and lights and flowers and music, I again became the frightened girl upon the dock of America, and I felt as if I must flee. But at that exact moment, I beheld my Mr. William Raines of St. Louis and my Mr. Peter Scudder of Philadelphia, seated at a table in a very choice corner, and there was a vacant chair between them. Upon each other they were glaring, and before I had a thought, I started towards them to prevent the carnage that had threatened on the boat. End of chapter 2